Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this week's podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a very dangerous animal. Now, when we talk about dangerous animals, our minds are always drawn to a few examples of, you know, the surfer that was attacked by the great white shark, or maybe someone who is just kind of naive and, and jogging in the mountains and attacked by a bear or a mountain lion. And these kinds of cases grab headlines. But silently in the background is a much more insidious animal that has a tremendous uh, toll on human health and on human life. And globally, the mosquito is really a problem. Now, in the past on the podcast, we've discussed a number of different remedies from gene drives to transgenic approaches. And one of the approaches that I find most exciting is the work that's being done by OxyTech. And we've had them on representatives on several times. Today, we're talking with Meredith Fensum, She's the head of global public affairs with OxyTech. So welcome to the podcast, Meredith. Thanks for having me back, Kevin. Yeah, this is really great. I don't remember off the top of my head the number of the episode you were on last, but there's been so much happening in this space and so much manufactured controversy around this that I really wanted to have you back to help the listeners understand exactly what this is and what it isn't. Because a lot is being said in social media as well as the popular press, and it's our job to get it right. So thank you very much for joining me. And I guess the best thing to start out with is, why bother controlling mosquitoes? Well, most mosquitoes are a nuisance, but when mosquitoes aren't spreading disease, it's it's not necessarily important to control them. And in fact, in environments where they are native species, it could disrupt the ecosystem to remove them from that environment. However, when mosquitoes are invasive in environments and they are spreading disease to humans and other animals, it it is critical to control them. And right now, if we look at the, the scope of diseases which are being spread by mosquitoes. It really surprises me how many there are, in, not just in humans, but in animals. Um, what kind of diseases are being vectored by mosquitoes? It is a very long list that it includes dengue, Zika, yellow fever, chikungunya, malaria, West Nile fever. And something that surprises people is the mosquito that we are targeting in the Florida Keys can also spread heartworm, including to dogs and cats, you know, to, to your pets. Yeah, that's a really important one because I, I just had to give my dog the medicine for this stuff and it costs a fortune. But <laughs> So I guess the other big question about this is how much of a problem are mosquitoes worldwide? And we, I know malaria, you know, I, I just don't understand the scope of this. So could you give me an idea as to how many people are affected by mosquito-borne illness every year? Mosquitoes are the world's deadliest animal by far. There is not a close second. And these mosquito-borne diseases kill 
millions of people every year. Yeah, I guess. And the, uh, the other big question then is, how have we controlled them in the past? I mean, I know that when I was a kid, we used to dance behind the truck as it sprayed insecticides. But, but you know, how, how, how has mosquito control been administered previously using either chemicals or sterile insect technique? So the, the traditional mosquito control tools, like, like the, the pesticides, a lot of them are still in, in use and they've been in use for, for a long time, like the chemical sprays that, that you mentioned. And the, the challenge is that those tools over time, they've, they've lost their effectiveness because insects have developed resistance uh, to them. And then some of the more recent techniques, like you mentioned the sterile insect technique, that that, that's different from what we are doing. That uses things like irradiation or bacteria to essentially disrupt the reproduction of, of these insects so that they are sterile. Yeah, so that was a technique that's been used for a while that you just kind of scramble the larvae, larval DNA, and some of them turn into adults. And because they've had their DNA scrambled, they're still living and they still can mate, but they can't reproduce. And that worked to some degree, but is a hit and miss way of, of, of solving the problem. And the other big issue is, you know, in my mind, and maybe you can comment on this too, is that when you're using sprays and using chemistry, you're not only inducing selection of the ones that are immune to those chemicals, but they're also non-specific. So you affect every insect. I mean, there's, I guess what I'm asking is, were those specific for mosquitoes or did they affect all insects? They could impact all, all insects, including the, the insects that are not meant to be targeted, the beneficial ones like bees or butterflies. Yeah, so having a mosquito-based control is, is, is a good move, one that's specific to mosquitoes. And when we're talking about this particular mosquito, you know, mosquito, when we say mosquito, this is what hundreds of different kinds of insects. Is there a specific one that is problematic in vectoring human disease? Well, there are a, a number. The there are, there are a number of, of mosquitoes species that are especially problematic vectoring human disease. One is the Aedes aegypti. That is the mosquito that we are targeting with our project in the Florida Keys. We've been working with that mosquito in, in Brazil for well over a decade and, and now have commercial approval there. That is the mosquito, the Aedes aegypti, that spreads Zika dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, myaro, and, and also heartworm to, to dogs and cats. Separately, there are, there are Anopheles species of, of mosquitoes that, that spread malaria. And we have begun to work with those through funding provided by the Gates Foundation. The Aedes aegypti, it's got aegypti right in the name. So is this something that is native to the Keys or native to Brazil, or is this even a new world insect? It, it, is, it is invasive throughout the Americas, and really it's invasive in all of 
all of the world where where it survives and really thrives outside of, of a small part of, of Africa. Okay, so this thing it doesn't really belong here. So it's not like you're removing something critical from the ecosystems of the Keys by having methods to suppress their numbers. That's right. It's not meant to be in the environment. And if you re- remove it from the environment where it is invasive, you are returning the environment to its natural state. The interesting thing in the Keys is the Aedes aegypti makes up just about 4% of the mosquito population there, but is responsible for virtually all of the mosquito-borne disease transmission to humans. And, you know, I really don't hear much about mosquito-borne transmission, but where have we had significant outbreaks of any of these diseases in the last decade? Unfortunately, all over the, the the world. And I mean, looking at Florida specifically and talking about the Keys, you know, Oxitec was first invited to the Florida Keys when there was a dengue outbreak in Key West. It began in 2009 and continued through 2010. And that outbreak could not be controlled because this mosquito could not be controlled. And that is when the Florida Keys Mosquito Control District invited Oxitec to come and and pilot our technology with them. There have been other outbreaks of dengue in the Keys since, including, I believe there are about 70 cases in 2020, so about two years ago, in and around Key Largo. Yeah, and I'm not anywhere near the Keys. I live way too far from the Keys. But I guess that we still do see some of the pushback that you receive for trying to solve a problem in the Keys. And so could you give us a little sense of the pushback that you've received and maybe a little bit about how the company has tried to manage that through working with the public to help clarify what this technology is and isn't? Sure. Speaking about the keys specifically, there's there's really a lot of, of public support locally for this project. Our mosquitoes were on the ballot in a 2016 referendum in, in Monroe County, which covers all of the keys. And in that referendum, 31 out of 33 Monroe County precincts uh, voted in support of our project. Some of them overwhelmingly so in the 60, 70, 80 plus percent range, which is very unusual in elections in, in Florida. And that was a number of years ago. But what we've done since, since we received our, our federal and state approvals and, and launched our projects there, we have joined the project sign up on our on our website for this project, keysmosquitoproject.com. And we've established very lengthy wait lists of of locals up and down the Keys who who want to be involved in the project. They want to host our just add water mosquito boxes. They want to host the mosquito traps. And we've been we've been really pleased with the support that we have received from from the community there. There is there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's some criticism and I mean, one of the criticisms is that Oxitec is somehow uh, not transparent 
And that is probably the hardest one for me to understand. When you go on our website, we have more than a hundred peer-reviewed publications about our technology going back more than 20 years, um, divided by year. And then for our project last year in the Florida Keys, you know, people say, well, you don't have a peer-reviewed publication about that yet. And that's true, but peer-reviewed publications take time and they are by definition not controlled by us. That's that's one of the reason there's reasons there's so much interest in them because they are you know, vetted by, by third parties. However, we've run a lengthy public educational webinar series for the Florida Project. And in last month's webinar, which was our 16th, we, we spent a lot of time going through the data and the information that we gathered in last year's project. And that is all available on our OxyTech website, on the keysmosquitoproject.com website, and also on our YouTube channel. We have both the recording and, and all of the slides that, that were presented with, with, with really a lot of data and information about the project. Well, the other big drawback of, of demanding peer review is that peer review, when you submit a manuscript and that manuscript is published, you now have an implicit obligation to share and distribute the materials that were used in that study for replication. And I think when you're dealing with proprietary technologies, folks, you know, you can't do that, you know, for obvious reasons. And so nobody really gets too upset when it's a drug or something else that isn't, that's, you know, being released or that's doing, or any other technology for that matter, an iPhone or whatever. They don't require an iPhone to go through peer review before they can, before they can uh, distribute it for its say, you know, distribute it. And nobody really cares, but there's certain technologies people get, you know, a little bit concerned about, but I'm really glad that you mentioned these resources. So could you touch on that one more time? It's on an OxyTech YouTube channel. Yes, we have an OxyTech YouTube channel. There are a lot of videos there. We, we post all of our public educational webinars there. So the 16 that we've had so far for the Florida project are, are posted there. We have other videos giving virtual tour of our projects and our labs around the world. And then on the website that we established for the Florida Keys project, keysmosquitoproject.com, all of the recordings for that project are available there. And we also post the, the materials from these different webinars so people can take their time to look at the slides afterwards and all of the information that that we've presented. And maybe, you know, maybe you want to answer this, maybe not. So you tell me, but it seems to me that the folks who are involved in the pushback side of this, that they are not Keys residents, that these are the typical folks who have always complained about everything now for four decades that has to do with genetic technologies, the same groups, the same individuals, the same people selling books and running websites and collecting money to push back against biotechnology. So just from everything I've seen from, you know, from my view, uh, it seems like the the same old suspects just now that they've lost the, the argument against crops are turning to other places where the technology is being used just to have a continued something to complain about more than anything else. I, I think that's right. There, there are a few locals in the keys who are opposed to our project, but it's very few. 
Yeah, it's it's it, it seems to be, you know, just from my perspective as well, that you guys have done a great job with public education, which is such a good cornerstone of this. It seems like that may be needed in some other places. You I recently learned that this mosquito and its capacity to spread or vector bloodborne disease is now in some new places in the U.S. So where has it shown up recently? That's right. So whereas this mosquito has been in Florida and some other parts of the U.S. for more than two centuries, is a very recent arrival to the state of California, where it was first identified just about a decade ago and has now spread to more than 20 counties. Hmm. And I guess the real big problem there is when you look at like questions like the homeless population in places like LA, where they've had outbreaks of things like other rodent vector diseases recently, where just because of the high concentration of people outdoors, it kind of is the perfect storm if you started to have mosquito vector disease like Zika or, or something like that. Well, yes. Uh, Oxitec was invited to California by uh, more than 10 mosquito control districts in the state interested in, in piloting this technology because they know that the Aedes aegypti has established a presence. It is spreading in some of the counties where it is now, the, the pest pressure of this particular mosquito is, is quite high. So there have not been any disease outbreaks in California from, from this mosquito yet. And the interest is, is in of avoiding that, making sure that it does not happen. So we're speaking with Meredith Fensom. She's the head of global public affairs with Oxitec. And we're talking about the mosquito technologies that limit populations. This is Calabra's Talking Biotech podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Calabra the data monitoring platform designed to reveal research insights and streamline reporting across your organization. With Collabra, you'll gain a comprehensive view of your research workflows, simplifying scientific IP governance, compliance, and analysis. Visit Collabra.app to learn how you can transform your research process today. C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P. And now we're back on the Talking Biotech podcast by Calabra. And if you haven't tried the free trial of Calabra's products, please do. Uh, laboratory notebooks that standardize your note-taking and your inventory and other ways of maintaining your laboratory with security are really critical tools in today's lab environment. So take, give those things a look. So we're speaking with Meredith Fensom. She's the head of global public affairs at Oxitec. And we were speaking about the problem of mosquitoes and where the mosquitoes are spreading and the diseases that they vector along with some of the antiquated techniques that have been used to try to control their numbers. So the big deal now is uh, Oxitec is currently been releasing mosquitoes in Florida. You know, this technology is being deployed. And so in the second half of the podcast, I'd really like to focus a little bit on the technology itself, get a rough idea of how it's working, but also, you know, where we're at with respect to mosquito control. So what, what is the basis of the Oxitec solution in the self-limiting mosquitoes? Sure. So 
we're using the mosquitoes against themselves. And our technology is mating based. We use biology to give our non-biting male mosquitoes a self-limiting gene. Then when they are released in the wild and mate with the invasive pest females, the female offspring of those encounters cannot survive. So they are producing males, but that's okay because male mosquitoes do not bite. You've never been bitten by a male mosquito. And in pretty short order, those friendly males run out of females to mate with and essentially the population crashes. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. So this just is a technology that where the male mates with the female, the offspring are not viable or doesn't produce females in the next generation. Just did I get that right? That's right. That's right. No female offspring, just boys. And then those boys, do they, do those males have the capacity to pass on that self-limiting gene still? They do. The self-limiting gene continues at a half-life. So after about 10 generations, if, if we stop the releases of our mosquitoes, it disappears completely from the environment. So you're introducing a self-limiting gene to the environment. And a lot of critics have said, well, what if this self-limiting gene spreads and all of a sudden beneficial insects and bees and whatever can't reproduce? So how tight is the regulation on that self-limiting gene? And, and, and maybe I'll add a funny little aside after your answer. <laughs> the, the regulation, I mean, as, as far as regulatory authorities in the United States, you know, our, our path to, to approval for these pilots was, was very long. It was more than, than 10 years. And one of the really beautiful things about this technology is that it is species specific. Our, our males are mating with the invasive pest females. And I mean, these, these Aedes aegypti, these male mosquitoes, they don't, they're not mating with, with other species or, or other types of, of, of insects. So one of the great things about it is how specific it, it is. And really, there are a lot of advantages for beneficial insects like bees and butterflies because it, it does not harm them. And that's that was kind of my point exactly is you don't see this kind of interspecies mating in in the mosquito world, mm-hmm. you know mosquitoes and butterflies getting together. You don't see that happening. And then the other part of this is that when you have a gene that that limits the number of females, it can't be passed on through the female, right? I mean, you're 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 essential when when they have this, it stops the next generation. So this is, you know, we had this whole discussion about, you know, the Terminator gene in crops years ago, is that if it was something that stopped the generations, you wouldn't have it being passed on. (laughs) And yet people wanted it both ways, you know, fear of this thing moving through generations, yet at the same time that it was lethal, you know, termination. But I guess what, what are some of the other criticisms that you've seen and what's the best way to respond to them? There, there are a lot of questions about the impact of our technology on the environment. And really, that is one of the biggest 
benefits of this technology. We are targeting invasive species that are spreading disease. So we, we are targeting these, these species in an environment where they are not supposed to be and they, and they are causing harm. And we are able to target them precisely and, and really very effectively without having other impacts in, in the environment. I mean, there, there are no, you know, we're not, we're not putting any chemicals in the environment. And working in the Florida Keys, I, I moved on site to launch our project there last year. So I was, I was living there through, throughout. And the Florida Keys are a very sensitive ecosystem. They are surrounded by a national marine sanctuary. And one of the things that made me um, so happy because I've worked with Oxytech technology for more than six years, I'm, I'm a conservationist. That is one of the uh, appealing things to me of, of, about the work that Oxytech is doing. And it made me really happy last year to see so many of the local beekeepers and butterfly conservationists get on board and really vocally support our, our project. I mean, I think that is where the truth lies. And I, I dream of seeing that kind of support replicated at, at the national and, and global levels, because that's one of the real benefits. So with that in mind, where are the technologies currently being deployed? So for mosquitoes, we have just received commercial approval in Brazil, and and we began selling our mosquitoes to direct to consumers in Brazil at the end of last year. So if you are living in the state of Sao Paulo, you can have our mosquito eggs and a little box and their food delivered to your front door and and you can use this technology at home in in your yard. So that that is a big market for us Brazil is because they have such a need for this technology. We're in the United States, we're piloting our Aedes aegypti mosquito technology in the Florida Keys right now and we have applied to the state regulators in California to also pilot the Aedes aegypti technology there in, in the city of Visalia. It's in the Central Valley in, in northern Tulare County. So, so those are the mosquitoes. And then we're, other, we're doing other work with other mosquitoes, like the malaria vectors that, that should be out in the field in the next year or two. But we are using the identical technology for agricultural crop pests. And we're doing quite a bit right now in, in Brazil, for example, with the fall armyworm, which is a devastating pest, especially of, of corn crops really throughout the world. Yeah, I know there was fall armyworm and also the diamondback moth were Oxitec projects, right? Yes. I mean, there, there's really kind of a, a long list, the diamondback moth, the pink bollworm, the medfly, soybean looper. And in fact, both the pink bollworm and the diamondback moth, we have worked with in the United States. 
Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, mosquito or not mosquito, insect pests are tremendously problematic in terms of crop production, especially in places like Africa, where many areas you don't have adequate insect controls. You, you can't have a spray plane go over or something. You know, you don't have any means to control it other than, you know, farmers can uh, stand outside and watch farm, fall armyworm literally take an entire crop out overnight. And farmers there, what the only thing they have to disperse the pests are hitting them with a shirt, blowing a whistle, you know, yelling at them, you know, waving their arms, running through fields. I mean, this is stuff that we've reported before on Science Facts and Fallacies podcast that you there's in places with no insect controls, these huge swarms that you can see on a radar, on a weather radar, that we need more sophisticated ways to be able to help in situations like that. And I'm really glad to hear that Oxytech is starting to target more and more outside of the original, you know, range of mosquito and uh, fall armyworm. That's right. The technology is is virtually identical. I mean, we're using the same self limiting gene, and 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 you're right. I mean, these these pests, the fall armyworm, is one example of of many. I mean, they're causing real food security issues. Yeah, so it's really important. Is there any early report about how the mosquito deployments are working? Like, do you do you have ways of of measuring populations and saying, okay, in the Keys we did this deployment, and we know it cuts it down to one percent in you know in two weeks, and after you know a year, like, what do we know about the efficacy of the solution? So we know we know a lot about it, and in in Brazil where we've been working the longest and really at scale. I mean, that that's where we have a lot of, of great data. And we've fairly consistently seen that with our mosquito control technology, we can bring down the population of the invasive Aedes aegypti pest by well over 90%, usually 94, 95% plus in in just about three months. And that is that's that's significant. For the project in the Florida Keys, so you know we're we're looking at different things with last year's pilot and this year's pilot. And last year we wanted to confirm that you know that our that our males would emerge from their boxes, that they would mate with females successfully, that, that they would produce offspring and, and none of those offspring would be female. And, and we've confirmed all that. And we got a lot of good information about their flight radius and even finding their progeny in cryptic breeding sites. And that's actually a good thing because those are the places that traditional tools have a hard time reaching. And I, I think after this year's project, we'll be able to say more about the suppression of the of the invasive population there. But you know, it is a small pilot. It's not. I mean, it's not a, a big project there. And I guess just to clarify for the listeners, you say their progeny are found in other places, but this is self limiting. So you're saying that those are the males that are allowed to survive in subsequent generations and eventually fizzle out. That's right. The the males and and their offspring and the way that we know that so our mosquitoes are are different from the ones that that you would find 
outside in in two ways. Uh, One is we give them the self-limiting gene, but the other is that we give them a fluorescent marker so we can track all of our mosquitoes and their progeny in the wild. Our Florida Keys Mosquito Control District partners were really excited to find um, the, the, the progeny of our males. So these you know, larvae and the male mosquitoes that, that have the, the fluorescent marker. So, you know, we, we know that they are, that they are ours, but they were very excited to find those in, in cryptic breeding sites because that's, that's, that's what you, you want. This is a mosquito that is hard to target because of the, because of the places that it, where it lives and, and breeds. Yeah, so an cryptic breeding site might be like a, a tire with water in it or like a, a little kid's swimming pool that's been abandoned, something like that. That's right. Or it might be, you know, a flower pot that's sitting under someone's porch and gathering water. It might be a bottle cap that's in your driveway. I mean, they can breed in some or, or the you know, larvae can survive in something that small. So I guess the last question might be, what's next for OxyTech and where do you imagine these technologies may be most important going forward? Well, we want to get these technologies to the communities that need them as quickly as possible. We feel uh, a real sense of, of urgency and we're looking forward to the future. We're, we're ready to make an impact. So how does social media treat this? And I frequently see OxyTech coming up in conversations, not always conversations that are really excited about the technology. Right. Well, I mean, it, it comes up in both conversations, right? I mean, there are a lot of folks who are really excited ab- about our, our technology, but, but there is some opposition to it. That's true. Yeah, I always see Friends of the Earth saying that the OxyTech technology has been detected in natural population, or in, I don't want to say natural populations, because this is an invasive species, but I think they do say in, in resident populations of mosquitoes, but but yes, that's why it works. <laughs> and right. So, <laughs> oh, so, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So it means that things are working exactly as they're supposed to work. And that's, but you know, friends of the earth, other folks, they use this as a nucleus saying, look at how this technology is reaching into these populations of resident mosquitoes. Yeah. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. And I always remind them of that. And I hope that as others begin to look at and follow OxyTech on social media, you know, follow what's going on, follow this story and, you know, use your knowledge of what this is and what this isn't to gently push back with respect and taking the high road saying, you know, but here's how it really works and the good things it can do for the environment as well as for human public health. So I guess human public health is redundant. <laughs> Don't have, you know, but anyway. So thank you very much, Meredith Fensum from OxyTech. If people want to learn more, where can they follow OxyTech and can they follow you on social media? Sure. Our OxyTech website, oxytech.com. I mean, there's a lot of information there. We update it regularly. The uh, Florida Keys Mosquito Project has its own website, 
keysmosquitoproject.com. We're, we're active on social media. You can find us on Twitter at OxyTag, LinkedIn and, and Facebook too. And, and really those are, I think, the best accounts to, to follow for, for information about our technology. Yeah. And, and please do follow those, you know, to the listener, you know, definitely follow those and, and help shape this conversation. You know, we know so much today that people get 75% of their news and information from social media. We also know that it's replete with false information and it's really important for us to be parts of those conversations. So when you see them dive in and, and, and let's do the right thing here and help a good technology reach the folks it's intended to serve. So I think that's really important. So, you know, Meredith, thank you very much for joining me again. I really appreciate you being on and best wishes going forward. Thank you, Kevin. And as always, thank you for listening to Collabra's Talking Biotech Podcast. Check out the Collabra products, learn a little bit more about them and how they may benefit your laboratory's group. Some of the products, you have free trials, it's, it's to show you how good it can be to have all of your laboratories work in one shared space. So this is the Talking Biotech Podcast. More numbers every week. Thank you for telling a friend and for sharing on social media. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, Scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at collabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.